0: Uh, hey everyone, it's Russ, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by a friend of many years, uh, Laura Jalbert, who is the owner of Mindful Transitions. So, welcome, Laura.
1: Thanks for having me, Russ. It's good to see you.
0: Yeah, great to see you too. Always enjoy speaking with you, and uh, glad we could share today's conversation with our listeners. Um, why don't you start, Laura, by just introducing yourself, telling people a little bit about who you are um, and what it is you do at Mindful Transitions.
1: Sure. Um, I'm Laura Albert. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I have been um, in private practice for, well, I've been in practice for 21 and a half years, going on 22 years, which makes me feel much older than I sometimes think about. Um, But Mindful Transitions, um, I'm the owner of Mindful Transitions, and the clinical director um, is one of the hats I wear. And we are a team of clinical social workers who provide psychotherapy on site um, to older adults in their home environment. So that could be assisted living, independent living, or in private home settings. Um, And we accept Medicare um, to pay for our services as well as um, clients who want to direct pay whose insurance may not may not cover us. Um, but so we're a team now of 16, 17 um, clinical social workers. I didn't count before, mm-hmm. <laughs> before I came on, but um, our team has grown a lot over the years because of, um, as you know, the need is huge um, for, for mental health support services, um, and especially those specifically trained towards the issues of older adults, which our entire team is, um, and that's unique. So as well as the part where we're mobile to our clients, um, that's additionally unique. Although I have to say it's, um, we're not quite as mobile during the pandemic.
0: <laughs> uh well, yeah. Who, who is, um, it's, <laughs> right? it's been yeah. an, ad- been an adjustment for everyone, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So thanks for kind of sharing that background and giving people an idea of who you are and what it is you do and, and the work that you and your team provide to maybe give our listeners a little bit more of a kind of a practical grounding. I'm not sure many folks understand, like, what is psychotherapy um, and how specifically would that apply to, let's say, a senior, um, whether they're in an assisted living facility or, um, Still living in their home, so could you maybe give us like a, at least paint with a broad brush an example or two of the kind of you know hands-on work that you and your team members are actually delivering?
1: Sure. So let me first say that psychotherapy is a considered a medical procedure that is paid for by health insurance um, generally, and the reason that that is paid for by health insurance is because usually there's an accompanying diagnosis of some sort made by the provider at hand who's doing the the treatment the psychotherapy treatment and that's what makes that service um covered by health care now that said our clients in general have a variety of issues so they may have issues related to grief and loss um may that be a spouse um a move a home um the dog died um believe it or not many of our older adult clients are um grieving the loss of their adult children um, from various diseases and um, and issues. Um, sometimes the issues are related to um, health changes in themselves, um, grieving what their body used to do. Um, and then some of our clients have, you know, lifelong persistent mental illness that they've had, you know, since they were 18 or 20 years old. Um, and now they're aging and now they're, you know, 80. Um, and so they, you know, again, need a provider who, who understands mental illness. So um, our services do take place in the home, which helps us see, um, you know, a little bit more about what's going on with the client than what someone would actually say in an office setting. Um, but, but yeah, so our services cover a variety of different issues. Um, we see a lot of folks with depression, anxiety. Um, we see, like I said before, we see a ton of grief and loss. Um, but then sometimes there's just interpersonal conflict with, you know, the lady down the hall, isn't nice and it's causing me distress. Um, so it's, it's a variety of issues for sure.
0: And I know, I know we were kind of joking a little bit about COVID earlier, how that's kind of impacted our ability to be mobile and see people in their settings, that sort of thing. But I would imagine, um, I would imagine that the work that you do, you and your team has probably increased um, as a result of COVID due to more isolation, um, maybe lack of social interaction, things like that. Has that been the case?
1: So it has and it hasn't, um, because one of the challenges is that not everyone is able to access this technology. So Medicare removed some of the um, telehealth um, barriers um, at some point during 2020, maybe March or April, they, they removed some of the barriers that we previously had in place to utilize telehealth. But what that still didn't do was teach um, older adults how to utilize some of this technology. And it didn't necessarily cause older adults to feel more comfortable with some of this technology. So while, you know, you might prefer an in-person visit. Pandemic has, has forced us to do a visit by phone or a visit like this by computer. Um, and not everyone has been comfortable with that and not everyone has access to that technology. So we've had plenty of clients who said, if, if I can't see you the way I always do, I just don't want to. And then we've had other clients where, you know, they absolutely, you know, they have an iPad, they know how to use it, and they're dangerous with it. Um, so it, it kind of follows, follows the whole spectrum. Um, but I would have thought that everybody would have, you know, taken advantage of the telehealth. And that just has not been the case. We have a waiting list of people who want to be seen in person at this point, who have not been willing to do telehealth which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's fascinating. I got, I guess um I guess the joke that everybody now now knows how to use Zoom it does not uh, necessarily extend to all, all the seniors out there quite yet.
1: It does not and sometimes, you know, when you think about the the, you know, the process of establishing trust and the process of meeting someone new, you know, what are the things that seniors are taught over and over to avoid scams and fraud and everything else is don't talk to somebody you don't know well on the phone and give them all kinds of personal information. And here we are saying to seniors, like, we've got to do all this by phone. Well, this is not their comfort zone. They've been conditioned and for many good reasons to not. Um, But here we are, you know, it's a pandemic and we, we need to provide services however we can. So, it's oh. got a lot more uh complicated nuances I think um, maybe than other other um areas of the medical world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's I I guess I hadn't really made that connection between all of the seniors that are isolated and getting them the care the attention they need whether it's uh mental you know mental health uh, assistance or physical health or um I guess it just introduces a whole new set of challenges and obstacles that need to be addressed and overcome.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm, I'm actually just curious, Lori. like, so who hires you? Like, is it a, is it a, an aging person's adult children? Is it a care facility where they're maybe staying? Um, is it the, um, is it the senior themselves or is it kind of a variety depending on the circumstances?
1: So for the bulk of our work, the older adult is the one who hires us technically. It's, you know, they have to authorize who can utilize their health insurance benefits. So they have to elect their health care provider, which could be a, one, of, one of the members of our team. So they sign all of the consent documents. They sign all of the financial documents medic- that Medicare makes us have on file for them. Um, they as individuals are in charge of that medical care. Now, there are some services that we provide, you know, um, like there are some consultations that we offer families where let's say mom or dad, you know, doesn't want to have any part of the the idea of psychotherapy, but, you know, the adult children are in need of um, support and advice around mom's dementia or around mom's you know, long history of schizophrenia. And now that she's 80, they really don't know what to do. Um, in those instances, um, I'm able to see those families. And so the family themselves would be the client, um, as opposed to the individual.
0: Got it. Interesting.
1: The facilities don't hire us. Um, they may sometimes refer, they may sometimes say, we have a resident here who's been crying every day since she moved in. Can you please see her? And then we have the same conversation, which is, does she want to be seen? Does she want to be involved? You know, does she agree to this? Because ultimately, you know, psychotherapy is a process where you have to participate um, with the provider. It's, It's not like other forms of medical care where we can sort of I don't know if you sit still long enough, we can give you an IV of something that fixes you. That is not how psychotherapy works, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I know you mentioned earlier when you were kind of introducing yourself and talking about mindful transitions, could you give our listeners just a little bit of an idea of, of kind of your background and the background of your team members, the the skill set and the experience they bring to the table to deliver this level of care um, and engagement with um, with these seniors. Um, some of which I can only imagine are are some are some really um, challenging and difficult situations and circumstances that they're probably walking into.
1: Sure. Yeah we don't we don't get many cases that are easy, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Um, so, my background, um, I started out in an assisted living, running an assisted living memory care unit um, when I first came out of graduate school, um, and then had inpatient psychiatric experience on the older adult units um, of a local psychiatric hospital and then also a med psych hospital before I went into private practice in um, uh, working under a psychiatrist. And um, the rest of my team is comprised of all licensed clinical social workers, various backgrounds, um, but many have come from the world of hospice. Um, so they provided, um, they provided care at end of life, um, grief, grief and loss work for families, and also the, old, the, the um, hospice client who may, may have been passing. Um, I have a social worker on our team who has, um, inpatient neurology experience. Um, yeah, we have, (laughs) we have quite a variety of, of skill sets. Um, several folks who have, have inpatient psychiatry as well. Um, so, you know, I say, you know, we try to try to make the best fit, um, based on the situation at hand because our team has such extensive experience. So,
0: yeah well it, it, yeah I, I always find it interesting to get a better understanding of kind of the the people involved and it sounds like you built a a heck of a team with a really deep bench of talent so uh, congrats because I know I know as you and I've kept in touch over the years, you've just seen tremendous growth in your business and it's it's uh I know how hard it can be to find really good people to do the the important work that you guys are delivering. Um,
1: it is hard, but they're rock stars. they've got this <laughs> they're yeah, great. they're but, great.
0: That's awesome. So what, um, from your perspective, Laura, or or maybe the perspective of your team members that are actually out uh, delivering the one-on-one care with seniors, um, what would you say is the biggest challenge that um, you guys help people address through your work or help people solve?
1: You know, I I think it would probably be um, recognizing that a lot of the solutions are self-directed. Um, I think one of the key features of psychotherapy, um, these days is recognizing, um, how much your behavior impacts your mood and your life overall. And I think that, um, you know, especially with older adults, Even if they've had psychotherapy in the past, maybe um, the direction of their behavior was not necessarily the central focus because psychotherapy has changed a lot over the years. It used to be, you know, let's talk about your mother, let's talk about the past, let's talk about your childhood. And while those pieces are still important, and they're still involved in our work if we've got somebody who's 80 years old and, you know, they're isolating in their room at the assisted living, the first thing we need to do is get them out of that room, not necessarily to talk about their mom. And so I think it's, you know, the, the greatest intervention we bring is just that attention to your own behavior and your own ability to control to some degree um, what's going on with you. Cause I think, you know, also, one thing that, you know, our society tells older adults is, you know, maybe that you're, you're out to pasture and it's not about you anymore. And I think sometimes even moving into a community where, you know, control is lost on a great number of things, like what time you eat, what time you sleep, what, you know, all of those activities change for you. And so I think it's, it's sort of reestablishing some footing and, and maybe even some, some control over huh, I do have some part in how I feel and how I can make myself feel better. Um, and that may sound overly simplistic, but I think that's often where we start is just helping somebody see that they still got to vote in this and, and this can change.
0: Yeah. Hearing you describe that, the words that come to mind for me are like, um, agency and autonomy, like showing people that, you know, you do still have some, you know, you can self-direct your, like, like you said, your behavior, your, some of your day-to-day routines, um, y- even if it's within, uh, the structure of say an assisted living facility or, or something like that, which I, I think is, uh, is really interesting, um, let me kind of ask you a twist on that same question, Laura. What okay. what is what is the biggest challenge for, let's say, your team members in actually delivering the work? Actually, you know, trying to help, um, you know, help these seniors, um, you know, especially when they're they're dealing with um, mental health issues.
1: You know, um, you will probably not find this a surprise, but I think um, financially um, is the greatest barrier that we see. Um, for clients, the, the finances. Um, if their insurance doesn't fully cover the care or um, if, you know, if there's an out-of-pocket copay that their insurance leaves, sometimes that is the largest barrier. Usually the team can get in and do the interpersonal work and establish rapport. And believe it or not, we've done therapy with lots and lots of folks whose family members told us there was no way. Like, you're, my dad's never gonna talk to you okay, Hmm. give us three times, but, but larger barrier than that is just, um, clients at the front door isolating themselves further by, by not having the funds, not being able to, to spend funds, um, not having adequate insurance coverage. And I'm sure you see that with your (laughs) retirement planning questions.
0: Yeah. So, um, so on that theme, do you, do you encounter people that, um, Want or need or both your help, but they reach a point where they can no longer afford it, or they just don't have the financial means to sustain the ongoing care.
1: Um, I mean, I think the greater challenge is clients who, um, clients who have selected another type of insurance aside from traditional Medicare. Ah. Um, those carriers and those coverages, um, despite what people are sold, are not as robust. And there are not as many providers who are able to take those other coverages and s- nowhere more profoundly than in psychiatry. Um, if you are looking for a psychiatrist who t- who takes health insurance of any kind, Medicare or, or otherwise, the list is very short in the metro Atlanta area. Um, and so I think you know, do you do you want to see a psychiatrist who sees you for 15 minutes or do you want to talk with someone for an hour? And there's a distinct difference in, you know, certainly in the payer source of which is possible here in Atlanta, Um
0: Well, and I I don't want to get too far off on the tangent of insurance, because that's another conversation in and of itself. But when you're talking about when you're talking about like traditional Medicare versus are you talking about like Medicare Advantage plans or like uh, MediShare plans? Or um, is it just really going to vary from provider to provider and policy to policy?
1: Um, I'm talking about the Advantage plans in particular, um, because they they are like the rest of, you know are probably the same health care coverage that you and I have, where there's a list of providers who we can see via our coverage. And that's how the advantage plans work. And the challenge with that is that there aren't as many providers willing to accept those advantage plans because of how providers are treated on the other side of that. And uh, so, what we end up with then is clients saying, "Well, nobody takes my insurance, or somebody who takes my insurance doesn't specialize like you do, doesn't know older adult mental health, so I'd rather private pay with you and figure out how to get reimbursed if I can than not see anyone at all or to see somebody who's not skilled um in the area that I need, but then that can potentially become a barrier." like we were talking about longer term, because if you're having to pay out of pocket for everything, and let's say your insurance doesn't do a better job, any better job of paying you than it did the provider. At some point you've been out of pocket for all those funds. Um, And so that can become a barrier. Interesting.
0: And does, and does long-term care insurance, like ever play a role? Does that ever come into play to help fund um, the kind of care you guys provide? Or is that really more, um, I don't hate, as they use words like a traditional long term care need, um, because I'm not, I I don't want to characterize what you guys do as unimportant or or not potentially a a long term care need or situation. But does long term care insurance ever come into play as a potential funding source for uh, your services?
1: You know, it may, but not directly. So we do not bill anything out towards long-term care insurance. But that said, you know, for clients who may have a robust policy that says, you know, we, it says we pay anything for your providers that your insurances didn't cover. And if the client submits it to their long-term care insurance, they very well could receive the rest of reimbursement for whatever insurance didn't pay. Um, I haven't seen many policies that were that robust, not anymore, um, but it's possible that there are still some out there. But for the most part, we're covered um, under just traditional health insurance or not.
0: Got it. Got it. Recognizing clearly that every client that you guys work with is unique and has a different um, set of circumstances, challenges, um, is there? Is there sort of a... For lack of a better description, like a perfect client or a perfect situation where you guys have found that you can can add the most value or do the most good work.
1: Um, I like to tell families that the best time to get us involved with their loved one is before they make the move. Um, you know, oftentimes they're they're trying to approach mom or dad about a move um, into a community or adding more help in the home. And, um, utilizing us at the very beginning of that process is sometimes the most, most helpful because if there's a move, if there are new things for the older adult to adjust to, we've already then developed rapport and a relationship and we can sort of help with those adjustments along the way. So I think that would be the ideal time to use us, um, you know, we've had, we've had families try to tell us, uh, you know, to bring us in like the second they want to tell mom or dad that they're moving. And and that goes just about as well as you might imagine. Yeah. (laughs) So we, it, it all works better. Um, if we can start early and develop relationship with the client before the, um, adjustments and changes start to come down the pike, because then we, you know, we've sort of established a, um enough of a relationship to to navigate those together alongside the client and help them feel more supported. Especially if the situation is not something where the client is, you know, thrilled about making a move or thrilled about selling the house um, and there's going to be some some strain and stress with the adult child, it's perfect to have that non, um, non non-interested third party, let's say um, to navigate that with the older adult.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like it's really, it's most often centered around the transition out of their home into a care facility of some sort or another, but to your comment or to your point, the the earlier, the better that they could get you guys involved, um, to start setting the, the foundation for those important conversations and helping kind of guide those, those important changes in a, in an older adult's life.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, the kind of the low, like if you're seeing a change in functioning or if you're seeing the older adult not function as well in their own home, I mean, sometimes treating their depression is what helps them be able to stay there. Um, You know, it, now that they're bathing again and they're eating again and they're back to, you know, the usual um, daily life activities Um, maybe they don't need to go anywhere, but maybe they had really severe, severe depression. Um, and again, the isolation of the pandemic is helping no one with that. Um, but if we can treat the depression, we may be able to stave off the move. Um, and so again, starting early, you know, starting before it's a crisis, starting before, oh my God, mom has to move. I mean, we may be able to prevent that and we may be able to through psychotherapy to, motivate mom or dad to say, if it's really important for you to stay in your own home, let's step up this game. You know, let's let's step up your your activities. Let's step up your success at these activities. This is the reason why everybody is talking about you getting out of your house. So let's let's do these things if you don't want to go. And that may or may not be realistic. We have to evaluate in each situation. But I've seen that happen too. Family brought us in and ultimately a need wasn't moved or a move wasn't needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I I think that's a a hugely important point about the opportunity for prevention um, or or deferral. So, uh, hearing you kind of give that example, to my mind, like if you can restore one or more of the activities of daily living, that might also mean not only can they stay in their home longer, um, but that also um, defers the need to trigger the long term care insurance if that's in place, things like that. So, it just I I think there's a cascading um, uh, of positive. Effects that something like that could have in a in a client's um, situation. So I'm I'm really glad you shared that. Um, yeah. Speaking of yeah, speaking of clients, and I think you kind of started to allude to one there, Laura. What's can you give us like a a favorite client success story? Someone that comes to mind that you guys have worked with and been able to really do um, do some some you know really happy with the outcomes.
1: Um, Gosh, I think probably we just had our holiday party and we talked about a number of these from the the past year. Um, Everybody was sharing their success stories. Um, You know, I mean, I think that just any client where we're able to to keep them where they want to be um, has been a success story over this past year. Any client who has not lost any functioning while they haven't been able to see their doctors, while they haven't been able to engage in their usual activities. Um, has really has really been a success story um, I'm trying to think there have been lots of I'm not sure I can give you a specific favorite <laughs> but there have been a lot of really cool um, cool successes
0: that's awesome well I, I know um, I know you guys do great work and uh, I know your clients get a ton out of the the guidance and the uh, mental health support that you provide so um, that just another reason I'm really happy to be having this conversation with you um before uh, Laura before we kind of transition into kind of talking more about retirement and your views on retirement especially as it relates to women um what haven't I asked you that you'd uh, like to to address as far as you mindful transitions your team and the work that you guys do
1: um you know, I mean, I think there are other um, there are other avenues that uh, clinical social work can help older adults, um, and I think it's important to highlight those. Um, you know, because I don't know which um, which end of the spectrum some of your listeners might be on. They may be dealing with some emergency situations, or they may be dealing. Um, with, um, you know, they're not sure where the, the legal competency line is for mom or dad with, you know, their issues surrounding, you know, um, power of attorney or agreeing to medical care. And, and sometimes clinical social workers can be used um, to support sorting out those issues as well. So I think that's, that's important. Um, also, you know, while we like to avoid every emergency that we can, there are sometimes you know, older adult psychiatric emergencies. um, And we do participate in those um, as needed as well. So I think it's important to highlight, but that's not necessarily the bulk of what we do. Um, But I think it is key that if you need those services, um, you know, that is part of what what we can offer.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. And before we wrap up our conversation today, we'll be sure to share you know your contact information and how people can, can reach out and get in touch if they'd like to talk to you or one of your team members and and see if you know just learn more or see if they um, might need to explore working with you guys further so i'm, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because while we've been talking primarily around uh, mental health and psychotherapy you guys you and your team clearly bring a much broader skill set to the table uh, and can help in a variety of situations so I think that's super important and i'm glad you uh, i'm glad you highlighted that um so this is Women's Retirement Radio, um, and our focus at the end of the day is around retirement planning for for women. Um, and so whether whether you're listening to this and you're in your 50s and 60s and are thinking about maybe an aging parent, um, and some of this conversation might be relevant to you from that perspective, or maybe, maybe you're a little older yourself and you're thinking about or maybe dealing with or facing some of these decisions about staying in your home versus moving along, um, clearly there's a, an element that ties all of this back to retirement. So, um, Laura, I I would just be curious, when you personally think of the word retirement, uh, what comes to mind for you?
1: Uh, you know, I have to wonder how soon, how soon is it coming? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I, and then I, the second thought after that is usually, uh, it's going to be a while. <laughs> But no, in my mind, retirement is this ideal world where I don't have to work and I get to play and it, it feels kind of far away still.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I but I I would push back a little bit because while, you know, you're a business owner and I know some days are much better than others, Um but I also get the sense that you really, really enjoy your work. Um, oh, and yes. um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't classify it as play, but it, it really feels like because I've seen you just light up when you're talking about you know, your clients and helping them and working with your teammates and things like that. So I'm I'm curious if there's if you're actually getting an element of that play or that kind of fulfillment in that aspect of your life from your work.
1: I, you know, I think sometimes I do. Uh, I think sometimes I do. But to your point, not every day, right? Because every day right. they're they're just you know the task list and those kind of things. But when I'm when I'm working with families or you know solving a really a really complicated problem um, across a lot of systems, yeah, I, I get really excited about that. So it's it's not the same as you know what I anticipate retirement will be. Um, but but yeah, it is it is still. Joyous work.
0: And thinking about retirement, like, do you? uh, And maybe you don't know the answer to this, but do you think more along the lines of, you know, at some point in time, maybe it's a certain, you know, maybe it's a certain birthday, or um, maybe there's some catalyst out there when when you grow the team to a certain size or something like that. Do you envision maybe just kind of starting to dial back, but still being involved in some degree in the business, or can you envision a point where you just say? Um, you know, it's been great. I'm done. Um, I'm going to sell the business and let somebody else um, kind of carry carry on the great work that you guys have been doing. Or do you really have a lot of clarity around that at this point?
1: You know, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm pretty um, I'm pretty type A, so I could um, I could definitely see myself not letting go of you know the totally of the reins. Um, but you know, could I? could I work a fewer hours and take my foot off the gas at some future point? I sure hope so. Yeah. I sure hope so. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I mean, being a business owner, just that, that bug stops with you all the time. Um, if it, if you don't do it, it may not get done. And I have a great team around me, but literally we're, I mean, we're doing it, we're doing it every day. Right. Um, and so, you know, if I were to take my foot off the gas, I I still worry about where stuff would fall and to whom it would fall if not me. Um, and right. so I would say I would have to put some serious pieces in place in order to feel like I really could take my foot off the gas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that. And and then thinking a little bit more broadly just about retirement in general as it relates to women, um, what what do you see? I mean, I'm particularly interested in your perspective, Laura, given all the work and experience you have working with older adults what do you see as the biggest challenge uh, particular to women uh, when it comes to planning for retirement?
1: Um, you know, I think it, it may be um, just sort of underestimating um, the many hats that they're going to have to wear. Um, you know, on the one hand, I speak, I speak with women who may have already retired for the most part. Right. Um Sometimes they're younger, sometimes they're the adult children of the older adult. But for the most part, I'm speaking with the older adult. And what they haven't planned for is all the hats that they're going to wear within their family or within, you know, perhaps caregiving roles, etc. in their retirement. So for example, they're going to, you know, need to take grandchildren places, and they're going to, you know, have medical needs that they didn't think of, and their spouse is going to do things that they hadn't planned or, or be ill in ways that they hadn't planned. Um, but, you know, I mean, there, there are some women still, and I know you see them that, that haven't planned to be able to manage their own finances, you know, somebody else already did them. So um, there are lots of, you know, kind of areas where, where women just did not anticipate, I think um what was what was coming ahead and and what those costs might look like either financially or um sort of emotionally
0: yeah i think that's an interesting perspective i i um i think so many people spend so much time kind of thinking about looking forward to this idea of retirement that they they don't really think through like all right well how am i going to spend a random tuesday in retirement and what am i going to have to do versus what i want to do um You know, so um, I think that's a I think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, And how, given your wealth experience and history working at Mindful Transitions, along with your team members, how would you say, Laura, that your work um, impacts um, the lives of women that are either transitioning into retirement or that are, you know, maybe have been in retirement for many years?
1: I think our job is to support them in what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, You know, we were talking a moment ago about the many hats that they're suddenly asked to wear that they maybe didn't anticipate, like being a caregiver either for grandchildren or being a caregiver for a spouse or Holy cow, coordinating the, um, you know, modification of an area of their home due to someone's, Um, you know, change in physical condition, those are things that they maybe were not prepared for. And so our job is to support them through the stress of that. Um, You know, sometimes it's it's being the one to shine a light on a resource, perhaps, but for the most part, I see our role as, as support, emotional support through these, um, you know, these Oh, goodness moments that they um, didn't anticipate coming but here they are and are double whammies because they weren't, they didn't prepare or they didn't anticipate that these things could happen.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. I, um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a helpful perspective, especially coming from someone like you, given your uh, experience and your insight into dealing with people as they, as they age and deal with some of these, challenges, whether physical, mental, or or both. So, uh, so thank you for that. Um, As we start to wrap up, um, I always like to ask Laura, um, you're busy, you're running a a growing business. um, But if and when you have an hour or two to yourself, um, and I think your husband, John's involved in the business too, right? Yes. So, so um, when you or when you and John have an hour or two to yourself, how do you most enjoy spending it outside of work?
1: Um, you know, we've been enjoying a lot of walks during the pandemic, um, evening walks. Um, but I think we, you know, we like to be outside, um, doing things outside. That does not mean that I like yard work. It just means (laughs) to be be clear. Yes. To be clear. It is not the raking, the mowing, the weeding, none of that. Um, but no, I like to be outside. Um, I like, I like to be getting a lot of sun, um, you know, I'm trying to think what else I love to cook. We love to create stuff in the kitchen and sometimes it's one of us. Sometimes it's both of us that, that are creating things. So, um, so yeah, we really um, we actually do a lot of stuff together, even though we work together, we, we do have a few um, hobbies that are also similar. So.
0: Good for you. What's, what's a favorite dish that uh, that has come out of your kitchen recently that uh, that you've really enjoyed uh, making and enjoying?
1: You know, it's one of our old-time favorites. So it's not recent and in fact I need to make it again soon cuz we were just talking about it the other day like, "Oh, we miss this." It's called chicken choucroute and it's um it's like an old hunter's French hunter's stew, but believe it or not, it's one of the few French recipes with no butter.
0: Really? Um, I didn't know there was such a thing.
1: Right, right? <laughs> no, it it has uh it has uh mushrooms and shallots and uh chicken and uh, stock and tomatoes and it just stews for a really long time and ooh howdy Russ a, it's good
0: well, it's good that sounds good especially <laughs> especially now with the uh cooler uh, cooler weather we're getting it sounds like some good uh good comfort food
1: it is paired with mashed potatoes mm. yeah. <laughs> not much is better than that
0: yeah well so now we're gonna leave all our uh all our listeners with their uh, mouths watering um
1: <laughs> and, and googling chicken shissure exactly
0: um so, Laura, we've covered a ton. Um, always, always love talking to you and catching up. Um, if there were one thing um, that our listeners could take away from our conversation today, what would you want that one thing to be?
1: Um, you know, I think it's just to recognize that um, recognize that you, you have the power to change how you feel about things. Um, and if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you need support or you know someone who's feeling overwhelmed and needs support, as dire as the situation could seem at any moment, there is help out there um, and it is relatively easy to access and things can change
0: yeah uh, speaking of which change. yeah and speaking of which that's a great segue into uh, into telling folks how they can get in touch and learn more so if, if folks are listening to this and say wow i I need to really kind of brush up on all of the support services that are available out there to help myself or to help my my family whether that's a parent or a friend or whatever the case may be what's what's the best way for people to learn more about you laura your company your team and the work that you guys are doing
1: so you can check out our website it's mindfultransitions.com. that's one l m i n d f u l transitions with an s.com. And there's a good bit of information there about the team and everyone's specialties. And then also the services that we provide and how they're paid for um, It's all covered there on the website. You can find us on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn as well. Um, So you can kind of look, um, look and see what's of interest to you. Um, and how we may be able to support you. Our our website has our contact telephone number, but if you want to reach us directly by phone, it's 678-637-7166. And we always have a clinical social worker who handles all of our intake calls. So when you call, you're not speaking with a secretary, but you are speaking with somebody who has the same training as I, um, so that you know, we really, we're really listening and we really know, um, what you've got going on. Um, so yeah, feel free to give us a call or check out our website and see if we, um, can be of help or support.
0: Yeah, thanks. And we'll, um, as I mentioned earlier, we'll share a link to Laura's, um, website, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, as well as her phone number in the show notes for this episode. So if anyone is interested, um, Feel, feel free to reach out and um, I know Laura or one of her teammates would be more than happy to, to chat and see if they can, you know, be a resource for, for you and your family. Um, Laura, yeah, Laura, thank you. Um, I just want to tell you you're how welcome. much I appreciate you joining me and sharing, uh, sharing with our listeners a little bit about who you are and the important work that you and your, or your team are doing. And um, I, I'm just, I really appreciate you. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you again for having me. I'd, I'm just glad you're doing this. I think this is so important for women in particular, um, you know, to, to get some additional advice and I trust you to be the one to give it to them. So I love that you're doing this.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And for everyone out there listening, thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Russ. This has been another episode of women's retirement radio, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up you, uh, up with you on the next episode. Thanks again, Laura. Thank you. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.